When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition. I guess you might be hearing this on a Monday, whatever day it is. Welcome to this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where our Football Insider subscribers had lots of questions about Baker Mayfield, uh, Deshaun Watson, all sorts of stuff. We recorded this after uh, the Falcons traded for Matt Ryan and Marcus Mariota went to Atlanta. Jameis Winston re-signed in New Orleans. So uh, really right after a lot of the dominoes started to fall in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes i guess can we call it that anyway we get into all that we talk a little deshaun watson as well uh on this podcast if you're not a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up okay here we go our tuesday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast Here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's get right to it as we're recording this at about 4.45 on Monday. A whole lot of news has broken that isn't exactly Brown's news, but it certainly affects the Browns. Matt Ryan is going to Indianapolis. Marcus Mariota is going to Atlanta. Jameis Winston resigns with New Orleans, so the Baker Mayfield market is drying up. We're going to get to that shortly, but I want to start here with Scott Mandel from Los Angeles, who's been with us for a while, gave us this question as the Baker Mayfield era is officially over. He says, hey, Mary Kay, what were the real issues with why the front office wanted to get rid of Baker Mayfield? It has to be more than his production last year, considering his and others' injuries. Well, I think things really came to a head last year in the locker room. I think there were Uh, some leadership concerns. I think after the Odell Beckham Jr. ordeal, I think some of the players on the team were so rattled by that and wondered if they had the right guy to lead them to the Super Bowl. Uh, It's my understanding that a couple of defensive players were not happy with Baker Mayfield and what he brings to the table. Some were not pleased that he did not play in the season finale when they had to go out there and play in the season finale. And that furthermore, that he was going to talk to his agent about the decision about whether or not to play when for all intents and purposes, he was deemed healthy at that point. So there were things like that, uh, but it was more than that. Uh, first of all, it was, it was the on-field production. And we know that the Browns never felt uh, that that was as much injury driven as Baker Mayfield did and his camp. Uh, they, they felt that, uh, it, w- it played a part, but not as large a part as the Baker folks thought. So that was one thing. And then, and then it just turned into, again, just that maturity issue. They did genuinely have a problem with those maturity issues last season. Yeah, and it was stuff that I think, you know, if you kind of go back and you listen and you read and, and you can kind of piecemeal it all together, like it was just things adding up over the course of the season and you know, you mentioned it kind of came to a head, I think, with the Odell stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always kind of maintained, like, if a guy with a YouTube channel is seeing how wide open Odell is all the time, I'm sure that the Browns are seeing that in their building as well, including the players. Um, the Detroit thing, 
that that was obviously a, a whole issue unto itself and kind of his response the Monday after. I mean, we, we've kind of gone over all this stuff. You could just see it building. And then you've got situations, I guess, NFL Network on Sunday night replayed the Green Bay Browns Christmas game, right? So then you have all the on-field stuff too. You have the nine sacks against Pittsburgh and just, you could feel this ball rolling downhill, you know, going back to probably the middle of last season. And uh, when, when they finally found their guy that they wanted to upgrade, upgrade to, they did it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I also think uh, revisiting that Odell Beckham Jr. thing for a minute. Uh, I think that Jimmy, I know for a fact that Jimmy and D Haslam really liked Odell Beckham Jr. They got pretty close to him. D and Odell sort of became friends. And I think that that left a really bad taste in their mouth, not just in the mouths of some of the players, because we know that. Uh, but I think that ownership was dismayed by how some of that went down. And, uh, and so I think that was just, you know, another strike against him, but, you know, we did continue to hear about the maturity issues and, uh, and then from, from Baker's standpoint, and I've been trying to capture this since probably midway through the season that he had his own issues with Kevin Stefanski, with the way he felt he was being used, uh, with the way that he wasn't being showcased and his talents weren't being maximized. So he had problems of, of his own. So there was a disconnect. There was a disconnect between those two and it was a real thing. And again, I don't even know if Kevin Stefanski knows that it was as pronounced as it was or as much of a thing as it was, but from, from the Baker standpoint, it, it was there and it wasn't something that, uh, that he felt was going to get better anytime soon. And I, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he asked to be traded. So, uh, you know, I guess one of the questions here too, is like, how do you think Odell going to LA and being successful, you know, playing like he did ultimately winning a Super Bowl? Do you think that affected the locker room at all? Seeing him go and, and have success with the Rams so quickly? I think it did. I really think it did. I mean, those guys, a lot of those guys had a problem with it right from the start. I mean, you remember guys like uh, John Johnson III saying right off the bat, we would welcome him back like immediately with open arms. They hated to see him go. Star players know other star players. Greatness knows greatness. And they knew what they were looking at. Well, at the same time, some of them were not too sure if Baker Mayfield had what it took to get them where they needed to go. And, um, and if you look at like a lot of the pass catchers from last year, I mean, none of them really had a good year. It was bizarre. I mean, Austin Hooper lost his ability to catch the ball for some reason. I mean, he, he was not good in that offense with Baker Mayfield last year. Jarvis Landry struggled. And he attributed a lot of that to his injuries, but he did not look like himself. Uh, nobody really did. Even at, towards the end of the year, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I mean, he was struggling with Baker Mayfield. So I think all of these guys are going to look a whole lot better with much better quarterback play. Uh, but I do think that that didn't play all that well in the locker room, that Odell, who was beloved by his teammates, went on to be successful and everybody hated that he had to leave here in the first place. I think too, with, with the Odell stuff, it's, I mean, there is that presence, right? I mean, even Miles Garrett, right? The superstar of superstars, $125 million man. When Odell came into the league, he was a freshman in college. Like that was his first year. So 
like he was still kind of watching Odell from afar become this superstar, right? I and mean, maybe he watched him make that catch in like a dorm room at Texas A&M or something. Like, I'm sure there was still, even for a guy like Miles, a little bit of a like larger than life, like, whoa, that's Odell Beckham right there. Even, I mean, John Johnson, right? He, I think he was drafted in 2017. So he's about the same timeline. I mean, these guys weren't like kids, like Greg, like Greg Newsom was obviously way younger, but I mean, even like the kind of veteran star guys on the team were still pretty young in their football lives when, when Odell was kind of becoming a superstar. Yes, absolutely. They were fans. They were big, huge fans of Odell Beckham Jr. And he does have that star presence, that superstar way about him. And on top of that, he's such a great guy in the locker room. He's such a great teammate. He's the guy that keeps everything, you know, light in practice, you know, with, with dancing, with taking players under his wing. He's funny. He's engaging. And Baker is a lot of those things, too. Uh, but Odell just has this sort of warm way about him where I mean he you know he loves his teammates and they love him back and um and it's very genuine and absolutely 100% they hated to see him go and I think in some respects it was hard for him to leave some of those guys because he made some really good close relationships here of course Jarvis Landry uh one of his very best friends in the league in the league was still here uh, so I, I just think that was hard on everybody. And in the divorce, the kids really didn't know what to make of it all. And it was, it was a very stressful time. Okay. Another Baker question here from Jim Buddy in Pittsburgh. Uh, he says, Hey, Mary Kay, after the very public courtship of his replacement, this feels like it was two months ago, but it was not even a week ago. After the very public courtship of his replacement, did the Browns really believe that they could turn back to Baker Mayfield. You know, as hard as it is to believe that, that was the plan. They really genuinely thought that that was going to be it, that nobody else was going to become available. Uh, they weren't going to just go out and start trying to pursue Matt Ryan. They weren't going to go toss their hat into the ring for Derek Carr. You could see that all these things were start, starting to draw up, dry up one by one. I mean, they probably knew by then uh, that the Colts were intent on landing a Matt Ryan. They probably knew by then that, uh, you know, that Devontae Adams was headed to the Raiders and that Derek Carr was probably going to stay there. Uh, I mean, the writing was starting to be on the wall that that's what they were going to have to do is run it back with Baker Mayfield and hope that a healthier Mayfield with, Devon, with um, Amari Cooper and whoever they were going to draft was going to be good enough in 2022 to contend for the playoffs and then they would figure out their quarterback situation at some other point. I truly believe they thought that that was going to be the next step. So, you know, it was like you wrote about this on Sunday and it was a thought I had kind of after everything went down on Friday night. So the Browns don't get Deshaun Watson. Then we start to kind of hear like, okay, they believe in Baker. Baker's their guy. And then Baker requests the trade. And then the next thing you know, the Browns are kind of rekindling the Deshaun Watson courtship. Mm -hmm. If Baker doesn't request that trade, could he still be like, do you think we're even talking about Deshaun Watson today? You know, I think the chances of Baker Mayfield moving forward and being the starter in 2022 would have been way 
way greater had he not gone and asked for the trade and then also dug in his heels. Because afterwards, when he did ask for it, they said, no, it's not happening. Uh, but then there was another step after that. And this, that step was, okay, well, you know, this is, this is not going to be pretty, you know, no OTAs, no mini camp, get to the end of July. And the Browns could be, you know, sitting there having no idea who their quarterback was going to be for 2022. It was not a pretty situation. And, um, and I, I, I'm not going to say that there's no way they still wouldn't have revived their interest in Deshaun, but this drove them back to him with a sense of urgency. They had to get something done and they were not interested in a lateral move. They didn't want, they didn't want a Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, they didn't want even necessarily a Kirk cousins. They wanted, if they were going for it, they were going to go for a Russell Wilson or maybe an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. I mean, we, we laughed about that when I said they should throw the kitchen sink at Tom Brady, but that's the level of quarterback they were going for. And, um, and Deshaun fell into that category for them. And so, yeah, I think, you know, there's probably a chance where they would have kept at it, but they were really motivated to go back at it when Baker did what he did. So uh, a question here now, as, as we kind of move forward and we're still waiting to kind of see where Baker ends up, uh, Ken in Newberry Park, California. So now he sent this in before all this activity started happening. So I'm going to kind of edit this question a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are still some teams in need of starting quarterback upgrades. When he uh, wrote this, he said, since so many teams are in need of a starting quarterback upgrade, he's basically asking, hey, Mary Kay, what compensation could the Browns expect to get for Baker Mayfield at this point? Well, it depends on what their strategy is at this point, because right now uh, it's a bargain. It, it's a fire sale. OK, it is a fire sale for him right now. As you mentioned earlier, uh, the Falcons found their guy in Marcus Mariota. The Saints found their guy in Jameis Winston. The Panthers, every time I try to talk to people connected with the Panthers, I'm told that as of right now, they don't have much interest in Baker Mayfield. They're going to these pro days. They might end up trying to draft a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett at number six overall. I don't know what else they might do. Maybe they go after a Jimmy Garoppolo. He's still out there too. But as of today at this moment, I haven't sensed much interest on the part of the Panthers in Baker. Could change at any moment but that's what I've been hearing right now. As for the Seattle Seahawks, that's a team that at least what Josina reported, I think last week that they did reach out to the Browns. There hasn't been any front burner interest in him, but as that price begins to drop, I think that they could get back a little bit more involved. So watch for the Seahawks now that they see that the Browns might be getting a little bit desperate uh, to perhaps jump back in there and offer a later round pick. I mean, it could be a fifth round pick or something like that. You know, you just get to the point where it's like, all right, we have to move on. Uh, But some of it will have to do with the money. This is now more an economic decision than even a draft pick compensation decision. This is what can we get out of that $18.86 million that we owe Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, the hope is that they can clear some of that off the books. Now, if a team is willing to have Baker Mayfield be their starting quarterback, they'll be willing to pay him some of that, uh, but maybe not all of that. 
if they're willing to have him only be their backup quarterback, then they're not going to be very motivated. Now, a recent precedence for this is when Teddy Bridgewater was traded from the Panthers to the Broncos last year. And the Panthers, in addition to the $10 million guaranteed that they owed him, they kicked in another $7 million just to kind of move it forward. And the Broncos only had to pay $3 million for him. So the Panthers ended up with $17 million in dead cap space for Teddy. I mean, look, the Falcons this year are going to have, I think, $40 million on the books in dead cap space for Matt Ryan. So it does happen, and it could happen for the Cleveland Browns. Another strategy really quickly would be to wait, to wait a little bit, knowing that you're probably not going to be wiping that whole 18.9 off the books anyways, to wait and see if somebody has an injury. I mean, you could have an injury in the off-season program. Somebody could tear their ACL in the off-season program. It ha- it, weird stuff like that happens every year. So they can now sit tight for a little bit. And they've cleared enough space on their cap with lowering uh, Deshaun Watson's first year base salary to $1.035 million. So they only have that. They've got 10 million on the cap for him this year, including some prorated signing bonus. And then Jacoby Brissett, the backup quarterback has a base of about $4.65 million. So you're not talking about a lot of cap space for either of those two guys or for Amari Cooper either. They knocked his cap space down to $5 million for this season by converting most of his salary to signing bonus. I hope I'm not getting boring with talking <laughs> economics. I'm, Doug would be hating this, but, um, but the point is they've shaved a lot of money off that cap. So they can still go out right now and re-sign Jadavian Clowney and they can re-sign Jarvis Landry if they can get those two guys back in the fold. And they have the, they have the cap space to do it. They even have the cap space, I would think, to if they structure it properly, to extend Denzel Ward with the way these QB salaries are for this year. So if they had to sit on that $18.9 million for Baker Mayfield until somebody has an injury and somebody needs a starting quarterback, they are sitting on an asset at that point and the price will go back up. Are you at all surprised that there's like no market for him? I just... I mean, I know we, we've spent all season kind of saying how bad he was, but like, he's not, I, I don't know. It's hard to categorize him, but I'm just surprised there's not somebody out there that's like, eh, let's take a chance. Let's see what this guy can do. You know, obviously he hasn't delivered, you know, there's real issues there, but I'm just really surprised there's not somebody out there that's just like, let's just see if we can get, let's just bring this guy in for a year and just see if there's something there. And if there's not, okay, whatever. I, I just, I'm a little surprised and I'm not the biggest Baker fan in the world, but I'm still surprised that there's nothing out there right now. Yeah, I, I am a little bit surprised, but I knew as of Thursday when he asked to be traded that there was not a market for him at that point. There was nobody calling. I mean, the only phone call that I have heard about so far was the one that Josina reported about the Seahawks. Other than that, I'm sure there have been conversations, but in terms of anybody, you know, pursuing him, there really hasn't been a whole lot of activity, especially uh, the Colts. The Colts were his number one choice. That is where he wanted to go. And I had heard that so many times. I assumed that he must have thought it was requited love, 
but apparently it was not. Uh, they, you know, as I just wrote, you know, when I just rewrote that story, he was, you know, they were not as sweet on him as he was on them. And um, they, they really did not heavily engage. They probably had a conversation with the Browns uh, because you just do that as a matter of course, but they were over the last 10 days or so really intent on landing Matt Ryan. They wanted to upgrade over Carson Wentz. They wanted an obvious upgrade, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to necessarily go Baker Mayfield there and just take a gamble on that when you're coming off Carson Wentz, who had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions in 2021. And then you're going to go for a guy that had only 17 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions and finished 27th in the NFL and an 83.1 rating. How are you going to sell that to your fan base? How are you going to sell that to your defense? How are you going to sell that to your locker room? Right? I mean, that would have been tough. Those guys are excited now about Matt Ryan. So uh, I, I knew as of Thursday that the phone was not ringing off the hook for Baker Mayfield and that this might get a little bit challenging. But as, as I said before, I had somebody tell me today, and I put this in the rewrite that I just did, that I mean that the Steelers will pounce on Baker Mayfield if he becomes available. Like if they cut him and he's just out there as a street free agent, that they would, they would take him in a minute. Uh, so that's one thing. And I'm sure a lot of people would. I mean, if you can get him for nothing um, and, the, and the Browns have to eat that money, then, you know, certainly somebody would would go grab him in that scenario. But uh, short of that, I do think it's going to be a situation where they have to hope that something goes wrong. I mean, they don't they would not wish injury on anybody, of course, but they just have to hope that somebody sort of desperately needs a starting quarterback and they are going to be one of the only people in the NFL, except for maybe the 49ers that have one just ready to plug in for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think the problem is, you know, if, if you look at the choices, right, obviously the Colts went and got Matt Ryan, so that's a better option, but if they wouldn't have gotten Matt Ryan, their options would have been, well, do we give up, draft picks to get Baker Mayfield for $18 million or go, go sign Marcus Mariota for whatever. I I haven't seen the terms of his deal yet, but I'm sure it's not 18 million per year. You know, like, I think that's probably the biggest issue is if you're going to just sign kind of a guy at quarterback, or if that, if that's going to be your guy, you might as well just go spend some money on Mariota or Jameis Winston or somebody like that instead of giving up draft assets. To bring in a guy that's going to cost you eighteen million dollars. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and the other thing to consider about this, Dan, too, as well, is we've talked about this. Think about the last two games that Baker Mayfield played and played on national television. Okay, he played against the Green Bay Packers and had a horrible game with four interceptions. And then he came back and he played against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh in a twenty-six fourteen loss. He was sacked nine times. He had no answer for them. He held onto the ball too long. James Hudson uh, didn't get the help that, that he probably should have gotten in terms of chipping, but not every single one of those sacks was his fault. Uh, that, you know, TJ Watt had four sacks, uh, many right over James Hudson. But again, not all of his fault if you, if you watch the tape. So that's the tape he's got out there. That's the recent, what have you done for late, me lately? That is the recent tape that Baker Mayfield has out there couple that with what happened with Odell Beckham Jr. If Odell Beckham Jr. 
had gone to the Rams and, and had been horrible, well, people might have had a different view of Baker Mayfield. They might might have thought, wow, you know, this wasn't this wasn't Baker's fault. Odell just isn't any good. And now look, he was left over there in Cleveland without a number one receiver. And who can who can function like that when you can't stretch a defense and you don't have an X guy running those go routes for you like that? Um, so that didn't help matters. When Odell Beckham Jr. went out and looked really good in a very short amount of time with being that fo- with that football team with no time on task, no reps with Matt Stafford, no training camp whatsoever, and went out and really helped them get to the Super Bowl and win it. So, you know, Baker's value continued to go down and down. And then we haven't even talked about all of the off the field stuff that happened with him this year that just put sort of a blemish on his record. We'll save all that for when we do our, uh, our Baker retrospective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot to get into uh, with, with this Baker four-year era in Cleveland. But what we'll do right now is we'll take a break, and then we'll talk about the man who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Time to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson. And I don't know how long I'm going to put this disclaimer out there, but folks, we got to talk about Deshaun Watson, the football player. It's Part of what we have to do. And that's a lot of what these questions had to do with. But let's start with this. And Mary Kay, you had mentioned this. Uh, this comes from Dave in Denver. Uh, it says, hey, Mary Kay, a lot has been made out of the structure of Deshaun Watson's first year of his deal. It looks bad in terms of trying to dodge NFL punishment. But Dave gets the impression from some of the texts you sent to our subscribers over the weekend that there were also salary cap ramifications. Is it one or the other? Is it a little of both? Can the league just find him in addition to suspending him? So I, I guess just to sum it up, your thoughts on how and why the Browns structured that, that first year of Deshaun's deal. Well, they may have done that even if he wasn't facing a looming suspension. It, and they did it with Amari Cooper and he's not facing any kind of suspension. They converted his first year primarily to signing bonus, gave him some voidable years and brought that number down to $5 million. So that's just good cap sense. And that's what you're gonna get when you have uh, really smart capologists that went to Harvard and other Ivy League schools. They know how to work the system like that. They will continue to do so uh, for the duration of the time that they are here in Cleveland. They're very, very brilliant when it comes to that regard. And, uh, and that was a, a great bookkeeping move. And in the process, in the process, it will help Deshaun Watson in the event he is suspended for multiple games under the personal conduct policy, because of course, uh, those game checks come out of your base salary. So it potentially saved him hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And, but the Browns can justify it. I mean, teams can do that. And maybe that's also why they did it with Amari Cooper, because then they could say, well, we did it with Amari too, and he's not getting suspended. You know what I mean? If anybody, if, if you get questioned on it, I mean, they kind of covered their tracks there, right? Uh, they did it with both guys, and then they made up other, a lot of other cap moves. Uh, so I, I think they can sell it like that. And, you know, perhaps that takes the edge off a little bit where it makes it seem like they're trying to spare him the sanctions the NFL wants to levy. Yeah, it, it feels like it's something where the Browns, 
like you said, they covered their tracks. Like they didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but I'm sure when they were sitting down at that negotiating table and said, Hey, what if we did this with that first year? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, that, uh, that was very appealing to Deshaun mm-hmm. and his representatives as they are staring down a potential, we might be talking six to eight games. So mm-hmm. I tend to always kind of feel like things sort of are what they seem. It sort of felt like that, but you know, it also helps the Browns too, because it frees up a bunch of cap space. Yeah. I mean, they can justify, they can get away with it. They can justify it. And even though, uh, you know, they got some backlash for it in terms of, you know, the social media world and uh, the perception of, of that, uh, you know, they can, they can really bill it as what it was uh, a cost saving cap saving move that also had, you know, an ancillary benefit to Deshaun Watson. As far as fining him in addition to suspending him, I think it'll mostly just be a suspension. I I think it'll be, um, you know, like you said, maybe six to eight games, depending on what happens with all these civil suits. And then um, maybe that even gets knocked back a little bit at a certain point upon appeal or whatever. Um, But I don't think there will be a fine. I think it will be a suspension. Um, I'm going to call my shot now that they're going to get asked about it and they're going to say something along the lines of, well, we don't want to talk about contract details, but it had nothing to do with the suspension. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the exact quote, but I think that's probably the answer we're, we're going to get. Uh, yeah, when that I comes think up. so. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Offensively for the Browns, Terry in Strongsville. Hey, Mary Kay, how do you think the Browns will change their offensive style now that Deshaun Watson is on board? Well, you know, we've been saying this all along throughout the off season and talking about, um, you know, all the 13 personnel that the Browns play. I've never been sold on them continuing to do that. I have always felt, I've always said it, and I've basically hammered this point home. They will play to the strengths of their personnel. And that's exactly what they're going to do. You're not going to get uh, an, a Deshaun Watson and an Amari Cooper and play, you know, heavy football. I mean, you're, you're going to go out there and you're going to be an explosive high flying passing game. And if that involves three receivers, then you'll play three receivers. And I believe they will add other receivers to this team. I'm thinking that uh, they at least will try to get Jarvis Landry back here. And I still think that they will draft another good receiver in the second round. Maybe they'll even package some of those picks because they have five in the in rounds two through four you can package some of those and move back up somewhere and find one of those really good receivers so i'm sure they're uh, they're really scouring their their notes and and looking at all the receivers that now they could get you know somewhere around their second round pick and what it might take to move up to get one but uh, they'll have another splashy receiver move in in their bag of tricks that's what i think uh, there's at least one more starter that they're going to bring onto the team in some way. I think they should bring Jarvis back. I've been saying it all off season. I was always kind of skeptical about the fact that they were just going to let him get away. I still think he's got a lot of good football in him and he's got a lot of Cleveland in him. And I think he wants to win a Super Bowl here. And he always did. I think he, uh, I just think that he was almost, not the face of the team for a while, but he was pretty darn close, right? I mean, he was 
you know, just very synonymous with the Cleveland Browns over the last how many other years, five years that he was here. So um, I, I think that they will try to get him back. And if you have Amari and Deshaun and Jarvis, and let's say Sky Moore or throw out another couple names for me, George Pickens or somebody else that you can get at 44 or a little higher than 44, um, J, you know, Jalen Tolbert, somebody like that. Um, I think that they will play three wides and they will play a high flying explosive offense. What I think they're also going to need to do is make sure that they are really ready for that sort of thing. You know, you can't take square pegs and try to try to fit them into round holes. I mean, you, you know, Kevin Stefanski is going to have to abandon some of what he has clung to over the, the last three years. He's going to have to let that go. He has a lot of influences on his offensive mind. And now it's going to be time to open it up and run uh, a different kind of offense. And hey, I'm sure that's one of the reasons they felt like could, they could part with Austin Hooper. I don't know that you're going to see three tight ends as much here anymore. You know, I, I, I just don't know. Now, there are times that you're going to have to do that. And this is a weather this is a weather team. I mean, there are times when you're going to have to just be able to pound that football and they will still do plenty of that. I'm sure. But I think that this is going to be a passing game that rivals the passing games that we saw all through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you know, it may look a little different because you have a guy like Kareem Hunt and he's such a unique kind of weapon. You know, you're going to use him differently than you would a traditional running back. Um, so you know, it, it might look a little different, but it's going to be much more open, I would imagine, with Deshaun. And actually, what I'm curious about, too, is, you know, Bill O'Brien was always a little conservative. That was sort of the, the feeling I got with him. He punted a lot in situations where Kevin Stefanski would never punt, uh, things like that. So I think, uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities where, you know, look, it's fourth and one at the opponent's 47-yard line. You're going to line up and try and convert that with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper on the field, like good, you know, good luck. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's going to be opportunities there in that offense as well um, for, for him to get better. So you mentioned Jarvis, and this was a question from Steve in Medina. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, now that Deshaun Watson is here, how do you think it affects the free agent market for the Browns this year, but also into the future? Well, you know, as long as uh, Deshaun settles obviously the off the field stuff let's we'll just keep this to football for now uh he attracts big name free agents i mean i'm sure amari cooper was beside himself to find out that the browns were getting deshaun watson i'm sure he's very very excited about playing with him i'm sure that jarvis is considering coming back to cleveland and maybe a little bit more excited about it than he would have been potentially before knowing that deshaun is here knowing that Amari Cooper is here. Uh, I think Jadavian Clowney, who played with Deshaun Watson with the Texans, I think he'll be a little bit more motivated to come back here. And as they move forward, I think it'll be the same thing. They will be able to attract, attract some of the biggest name free agents because people want to win Super Bowls in addition to getting paid. So I think it will have uh, an enormous impact. And uh, I'm sure like Odell and Jarvis are probably thinking, Oh, geez, <laughs> this is what we would have 
like to have been able to try to do. I mean, right from the start, when those two guys were first together here in 2019 under Freddie Kitchens, I mean, right from the start, it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Somehow those two guys eked out a thousand yards each, but it was, it was rough. There was a disconnect between the quarterback room and the receiver room that year. Again, we'll delve all into all of that stuff as we do sort of our Baker eaten by the shark week, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it was never really right. You know, it was never right with Baker and Odell. And, you know, I'm sure now those two guys are like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it have been nice if we had this opportunity? But, um, but anyways, so, and, and hey, let's never say never there. I'm not saying Odell will come back. But when I do say that the Haslam's loved him, that's no joke. Again, sometimes you can't go home because there's too much water under the bridge or whatever that is. But I mean, he's a free agent. You never know. It's crazier and stranger things have happened in the NFL. We know that because of what we have just gone through this past weekend. Oh boy. There it is. Odell <laughs> coming back. The, the, the issue there though, is Odell was so adamant about that 11 month recovery timeline. Yes. That he gets hurt in February. You, you know, you're looking at, I think it would be tough for him to physically get back on the field, even mentally too. Yes. Um, maybe even before the season is over. Right. That's so true. But maybe, maybe somewhere down the road, you never know. I mean, it's probably not going to happen because that was such a, a painful ending. But the major reason it was painful was because of Baker Mayfield. Right. I mean, if Baker's gone, you know, maybe that opens up the door for, you know, for something. I mean, probably not, but like I said, and probably not this year. But now, now I've seen just about everything. And so nothing would surprise me anymore. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's sort of the point where we're at. Like nothing, absolutely nothing would surprise us. Even the Browns bringing in Jacoby Brissett to be the backup quarterback. Brian in Columbus had a question about that. And I feel like the way we need to end this podcast is asking about the backup quarterback. So from Brian in Columbus, Hey, Mary Kay, how much is the move from Case Keenum to Jacoby Brissett about getting a backup with a skill set more in line with a Watson style of offense, or was it simply to reset the quarterback room? and clear cap space. I mean, it's not really an, it's not quite an apples to apples comparison between the two, but Jacoby Brissett is a little bit more, he, he fits that style a little better. He's a, he's mo, he's a little more mobile um, and, and can probably run whatever offense the Browns want to run a little better than Case Keenum could have. Yeah, I think so. I think they wanted to, it to be a little bit more apples to apples. And, um, and, and I, I think that Case would have been fine running the same kind of kind of an offense, but they went a little younger too. Jacoby Brissett is 29 years old, but I think that was the philosophy. Uh, I think it was, you know, go ahead and uh, try to, to match those guys up a little bit more. And, you know, it's an important move because who knows, Jacoby Brissett could be starting as many as six games. Now, I think the Browns probably have some kind of an inkling by now of what that suspension could possibly be. If you're going to make this type of an investment in a quarterback like that, $230 million fully guaranteed, which is an NFL record. I think that, you know, you're probably going to have some idea of, of what that's going to be for 2022. And if it's six to eight games, 
that's going to significantly impact your 2022 season and your ability to do what you want to do, which is make the players playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl against the Joe Burrows and the Lamar Jacksons and, and everybody else. So, um, you know, the, the acquisition of Jacoby was important. And yes, that's the reason why they did it. I don't think it was as much a money situation because I think they could have figured that out with case. I think it's younger and more similar. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it makes sense to have a guy that kind of can come in and and be sort of do some of the things Deshaun can do again. He's not like, he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not as athletic as Deshaun Watson, you know, but he can at least run that offense. I mean, this is a guy that has had, you know, I'm looking it up. He's rushed for 260 yards one year, 228 another. So, you know, he at least brings that element and uh, he's started games. He started two full years in the league. So, um, you know, it makes sense why they'd want to do that. I mean, look at the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. They had Lamar Jackson, you know, Tyler Huntley is not the exact same quarterback as Lamar Jackson, but he can come in and do what the Ravens want to do offensively, kind of run that weird offense that they run. So that that's kind of the ideal situation is to have two quarterbacks that are at least similar. And in case Keenum, I don't know if you want case Keenum kind of running the Deshaun Watson offense. He, he, he could run a version of it, I suppose, but not the way Jacoby Brissett came. Right. And I mean, think about this, Dan, this acquisition of Deshaun Watson, and we haven't even really covered the football part of it all that much yet, because I think we are trying to be very sensitive to the off the field issues of Deshaun Watson. We care about how people feel about this and we understand why people feel the way that they do. And we are trying to make sure that we are not giving short shrift to all of the ramifications and all of the feelings and the emotions that are out there. Um, But when you talk about the football aspect of it, this brings the Browns like really up to speed in the NFL with the wave of the future type of quarterback, a very mobile dual threat quarterback uh, who can do it all. And it's going to be different. I mean, it's a new day in Cleveland in terms of, of the football games that you are going to see and what, what this young man is going to be able to do out on the field and how he's going to be able to connect downfield with Amari Cooper and Anthony Schwartz. If Anthony Schwartz can kind of come up to speed the way they need him to and Jarvis, if he comes back and Donovan Peoples Jones, I think will be a lot better. Um, David Njoku, you know, maybe he'll end up with those eight touchdowns. I always say that he's going to get one of these years, you know, I mean, maybe he becomes a better tight end with Deshaun Watson, you know, we'll see, you know, maybe he's still what you think he is, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I think everybody's going to look better. And this is going to be a hard offense to defend with Kareem and Nick. And I mean, my goodness, when, when he gets on the field and if everybody's comfortable enough with what happens off the field, then I think Browns fans will like what they see on the field. Right. And the, and the caveat here, because we've had to say it before in other years, right now it's all on paper. Right. <laughs> right. It's, right. it's, it's when you close your eyes and think about this offense, it's like, how does anybody stop this team from scoring 40? But that's why other teams employ defensive coordinators. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And like you said, look, I mean, we're all trying to kind of walk that line of, you know, understanding all the things that come with the Sean. And I think we've done a good job of that. There's 
everybody's kind of written a lot about that. We're going to continue to write about it and follow it and ask questions about it. But there is also the football side to it. And uh, that's that's going to be a reality that, that starts kind of being the dominant narrative soon enough. Yes. And, and the other thing to consider, too, with Deshaun, these are things that he's going to have to try to figure out is that, you know, these are some pretty darn good defenses in the AFC North. These are good defenses. This is a, a rough and tumble, rugged division. Or You know, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're always good on defense. The, the Bengals have gotten so much better. The Ravens are going to be good on defense. So there's going to be weather and some really good defenses. So he's going to have to bring his game up a notch too. And he's been out a whole year. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, he's been out a year and he may be out you know, realistically right. a quarter of a year, maybe half a year. So it's, it's, you know, there, there might be some bumpy spots I, I would imagine on the field um, when, when he finally gets out there. Well, I'm sure everyone has heard my dog uh, in the background throughout <laughs> this podcast. We had a plumber here earlier. He's normally kind of a, you know, wake up in the afternoon anyway, sort of dog. So um, this is just a perfect storm for him to be barking throughout the entire podcast. I've heard my dog. Uh, that's Buster for you, everybody. Uh, but we appreciate our Football Insider subscribers um, sending in the questions. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, click on icon slash Browns with Blue Banner at the top of the page. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because who knows, Mary Kay, maybe we'll have more emergency pods coming people's way uh, over the next few weeks. And as, we, as we've mentioned, we do want to do a, a Baker series at some point, kind of looking back at these four years and, and kind of what happened, what could have been, you, you know, whatever, wherever we want to take that. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your pods. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.